Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. First John. Now, I'm going to begin a brand new sermon series today. Now, today is just going to be an introduction, but today I want to talk to you, and the title of this sermon series is this, Discovering Absolutes in a Relative World. You know, everything today in this postmodern era that we live in, everything is just kind of packaged together where everything is relative, and there, there are no, so they say, there are no absolute truths any longer. What's right for you may not necessarily be right for me, so they say. What's wrong for you may not necessarily be wrong for me. Everything's relative. Well, I disagree with that, and I think the Apostle John disagrees with that. And so we're going to be discovering this, this small little epistle titled First John in the back of the Bible. We're going to spend some time on Sunday mornings, and we're going to go verse by verse by verse by verse through this small little epistle, this small letter. There's only five chapters, but if you've ever gone through a verse-by-verse study with me, you know that doesn't matter at all. Uh, Sometimes we have a hard time getting through one verse, let alone five chapters. Uh, But we're just going to take our time. I don't have a date set. This is not going to be a five-week or six-week or eight-week. We're just going to work through it. Is that okay? Uh, We're going to work through it on Sunday mornings until we get maybe at Christmas, and then I may have to stop and do some type of Christmas series That's a joke. You can laugh right there. Hopefully we're done before Christmas. Uh, But if not, that's what I'll have to do. Okay? 1 John, chapter number 1. Let's just read the first four verses together. As a matter of fact, if you uh, properly do your hermeneutics, you'll see even that this is just really just one sentence. It's broken down into four verses. And this is just by way of introduction. I'm going to come back next week and start unpacking these verses. But just to wet your palate a little bit on what this epistle is, let's look at the first four verses of 1 John chapter number 1. John writes and he says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it, And we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. And what we have seen and heard we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. Now pay attention to this. Look in verse 3. He says, What we have seen and heard we declare to you. And you may pause there and ask the question, why? Why are you declaring this to us? He answers it, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Actually, two sentences there. Verse 4 is a sentence of its own. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the time to study Your Word this morning. We ask You that You open our hearts and open our minds and open our eyes and illuminate your word today and give us understanding. 
We know that the Holy Spirit really is the author of this book and how you use the Apostle John. And we ask the Holy Spirit that takes up residence in every born-again believer that you give us understanding today. But not only theological understanding, which is very, very important, but help us to be able to apply this to our lives so that we can be Christians walking about in this postmodern world that are the light and the salt of the earth, that are declaring the whole counsel of God in a manner that it should be proclaimed, in a loving manner. Help us, Lord, as we study this book together. Give us understanding. Help us to grow in our faith as a result of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today is just going to be an introduction. Uh, Today I'm just doing a a flyover, okay? I'm just buzzing the airstrip, if you will, a little bit and just doing a little panoramic view and asking some probing questions about this epistle to give us a little bit of understanding of the backdrop of this letter before we actually get into the letter verse by verse and start unpacking it. Is that okay? So I hope you can hang with me here. We're just going to ask a few probing questions and try to discover the answers together. And I hope you'll jot some of this down. This is something that you can build on. This is a way that you can build your, your resource library. This is a way that you can grow in your knowledge of the Word of God is by taking notes. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, if you're on your apps and your, your devices, I know there's a way to take notes on there. I encourage you to do that as well. Okay? So let's look at a few questions here. Number one, let's ask the question, who wrote this book because if you just take this book and you read the five chapters of the first epistle of John nowhere in this book does it tell you who wrote this book okay Paul's letters usually always start out with Paul the apostle and he tells you who's writing this book at the his books at the very beginning however in John's writing in first John uh, we see nowhere where it describes or tells us exactly who wrote this book however All Christians from the first century all the way through church history have given the authoritative writing of this letter to the Apostle John. Matter of fact, if you read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll discover that in the second century there was a bishop, there was a minister of the gospel named Polycarp. You heard of him? For those that study church history, anybody heard of Polycarp? You need to go read a little bit of Fox's Book of Martyrs and read a little bit about Polycarp. But the cool thing about Polycarp is this. He knew the Apostle John. When Polycarp was just a young man, he knew the Apostle John and lived a little bit in that era. But also what we see that kind of sheds some light on who wrote this epistle, we see in verse number 3 of 1 John, look there. The writer of this book places himself as an eyewitness to the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he notes, what we have seen and what we have heard We proclaim to you also. So, listen, the writer of this book, which we know to be or believe to be, and there's all evidence points that it is the Apostle John, the writer of this book was so well known at the time of this writing that he did not have to put his name on it. They knew that this was a letter that came from the Apostle John. Well, what do we know about the Apostle John? There's a few things we know about him. Whenever you go back and you study in the Gospels, you'll discover that John and his older brother, who was it? James, in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 2, they were known as the sons of Zebedee in Matthew's Gospel chapter number 10. But Jesus named them the sons of thunder. Now, you've got to hit the pause button here for just a moment. 
Whenever you read the writings of 1 John, you're going to see that he talks a lot about love. Okay? And by the way, we should love one another. We should declare the truth of God's Word in love. Right? I mean, you can have the truth, but if you don't present it in a way that it can be received, there's no use in you even holding the truth. Nobody's going to believe in it or accept it. So we do need to love each other. We do need to love those that oppose the doctrine, but we need to hold the truth and present it in love. So if you take the writings of the epistles and the writings of John, you're going to see that it's all packed in love, which is a good thing. But here's sometimes where we get off track. Whenever you read in the scripture and you read in the gospel, as a matter of fact, John says that he was the beloved apostle of the Lord Jesus in his writings. He also says in his writings it talks about how he is the one that laid his head on the bosom of Jesus at the Passover meal, at the Last Supper. If you're not real careful, you'll get the idea that John was this very passive, laid-back, loving, accepting all things in the spirit of love kind of guy. Right? I mean, that's the perception that most people have of the Apostle John. However, his writings do not reflect that at all. When you read the writings of the Apostle John, you'll see that he is very authoritative. You'll see that he is very argumentative. You'll see that he stands and defends the gospel. You'll see that he calls out false teachers and false preachers and false gospels that are out there. You'll see that he even labels some of the unethical behavior of believers as demonic in the scripture. Right? Now that's not someone that's very passive and very laid back. You may be asking, why are we moving into this study? Well, in my own personal devotion, I've just been reading through the the epistles of John. And as I'm just reading through, I'm thinking, man, that's good stuff. Man, that's good stuff. Man, that's so relative to our day. Man, I just heard that on the news the other day. Man, John would be excommunicated in most churches today for preaching the way that he's preaching. So I thought, let's see if I can get excommunicated. No, 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 no. I thought, man, we need this. In our world today... Even in our religious church world today, you'd be amazed at how many people believe there are really no absolutes of truth in the gospel or in the word of God. Guys, that's not me. That's not what I want our church to be built on. And so I thought, man, I have got to get what I've been reading and what I've been reflecting on to our people. Listen, yes, we do need to love one another. Right? And we do need to love those that have differing views of us. Yes, yes, yes. But at not one time do we need to compromise the doctrines of the Word of God in doing so. Are you with me, church? John was writing to combat a few things that were taking place in the church there. One of the things that was taking place is they were not doctrinally sound. So John is writing to clarify in a very simple, clear way the doctrine of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he took it a step further. He's also addressing the ethics of the believers who claim to profess Christ as their Savior. He's taking it a step further and he's saying, listen, if you have your doctrine and it is pure... 
then it should impact the way that you live your life. Right? So we're going to discover that together as we go through and look into the epistle of John here. We know that John not only wrote 1 John, but he wrote 2 and 3 John. These three epistles, which by the way, you know what an epistle is, right? It's the wife of an apostle, right? No. Come on, you with me? I'm just trying to make sure you're with me. An epistle is a letter, right? It's a letter that John wrote. Now, we're going to see in just a moment who we believe he wrote to, but it's a letter that he wrote. So he wrote the three epistles. He also wrote the Gospel of John, okay? There's one more book that he wrote. Anybody want to shout it out to me? Yeah, Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation. Now, did you know this, by the way? Let me make sure I'm not getting too far on myself here. I'm going to go ahead and shout it out right now. Do you know when he wrote? To me, I think, to me, this blows me away. When, John? Did you write all of this? He wrote the three epistles. He wrote the gospel. He wrote the book of Revelation. When did you write all of this? And where did you write all of this? Well, you go back, and just let me get to the bottom line here, and I won't go back to all the reasonings why we've all come to this conclusion. But the letter was written somewhere around 90 to 95 A.D. Okay? Somewhere around 90 to 95 A.D. Now, understand, this is towards the end of John's ministry when he's writing these letters the gospel the three epistles the revelation can you imagine all of that being bottled up inside of you for all of these years and finally at the end of your life you start putting it down on paper guys you realize you go read the book of acts which to me is the gospel of the holy spirit and the church of how god is building his work we do not find one recorded sermon by the Apostle John in the book of Acts. Think about that. But yet, we find the Apostle John on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, right? We find the Apostle John in the inner three circle, the closest inner three with the Lord Jesus Christ on all of these miraculous accounts. John was there. He is an eyewitness to the, to the things of the Lord, and yet... At the end of his ministry, he's had this bottled up in him all the years of his ministry, and now it's just like he explodes. And the good thing is, we are the recipients of that. The good thing is, we can now read what this man, who had a first-hand eye, hand-to-hand experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, we now can read his writings. I don't know about you, but I get a little bit excited whenever I get into the Word of God. That book comes alive. I mean, it is vibrant. And to me, it's pretty exciting when you get in here and you think about that. I remember when I was going to Bible college. And man, I would go in there and I was, I was, I was getting an understanding of some of the theology and the doctrines of the Word of God that I had never really had expressed to me before and, and I never really discovered before. And I had Dr. Bill Day was my theological professor and theology professor and he, I would spend time in his office and he'd be pouring into me and pouring into me and pouring into me and, and I'm like just absorbing and absorbing and absorbing and absorbing and then I would go to church and I would just preach everything I knew. <laughs> I mean, I would, just, I would just preach it and give it out. Here we find John, all these years with Jesus, an eyewitness, hand in hand with him, hearing Peter preach and all that's going on in the book of Acts. And now at the end of his ministry, he is now P. 
penning for us the epistles and the gospel and the revelation. What a great, great letter it is. So, I don't even know. Yeah, who wrote the book? John. Okay? Let's go off to the second question, okay? Sorry if I'm going to run a few tangents right here, but bear with me. Where are we? In this book, where are we? Well, John, unlike Paul, did not specify a particular church that he was writing to. You know, Paul wrote to the Galatians. He wrote to the believers in Rome. He wrote to, to Ephesus. I mean, he, he wrote to these particular Philippi. He wrote to these particular area churches. But John doesn't give us anything like that in the epistle of John. So what we've discovered is this. He starts out in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter number 3, and he's writing to whom? Talk to me. You know this. He's writing to the, I'll give you a hint, seven churches of Asia, right? So we kind of look at that, and we know that John's earthly ministry, he spent the majority of his time in Ephesus doing his ministry and doing his work. So he was a pastor there. So he's probably writing to all seven of these churches, even in this epistle. He's identified some things that are taking place, we feel, and as we study Scripture, that's taking places in these churches, okay? So all this has been bottled up into him. He's, he's, he's declaring it and pinning this about 1995, somewhere in there, A.D. He's in, actually, he's exiled at this time on the Isle of Patmos. You guys under, understand that story? Go read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You'll discover how he died. It's, it's a great book if you don't have it. I think I have two or three hard copies in my, in my library. I'd be glad to loan you one. Notice I said loan, L-O-A-N-U-1. That means you read it, you give it back. Right? I'd be glad to loan you a copy of that if you'd like to read it. Or you can get it on Amazon pretty cheap and download it to your Kindle. Great book for you to read. It gives you a good idea of what was taking place in the early church and how some of these great men of God, how they died. And you'll see how John died there on the, on the Isle of Patmos. So anyhow, all this was bottled up in him. So we're somewhere, he's writing possibly to the churches of Ephesus, the churches of Asia Minor, that area where he did his ministry, but he's writing from the Isle, Isle of Patmos. Third question, number three. I'm going to try to skip through this a little bit. What are the themes? When you go and you unpack First John, what are the themes? What, what jumps off the page to us as we go through this? Listen. To me, I think there's mainly one overall theme to 1 John. Now, you need to write this down. I don't think I put it on the screen for you. You need to get a hold of this. There's primarily one overall theme. Now, there's some sub-themes, and we'll discuss that. We'll get into those. But primarily, there's one overall theme of this writing. And John is recalling, get this, the fundamentals of the faith. Basic Christianity 101. Okay? That's the theme. You say, well, I thought it'd be more profound than that. There's nothing more profound than that. When you get in, you really start studying the fundamentals of the faith, the foundation of everything that we believe in, the doctrines of the Word of God in clarity and simple form that John unpacks it for us. There's nothing more profound. Everything that we believe in is based off of these fundamentals of the faith. But what John had discovered that in the church, false prophets and false teaching and false doctrine was coming in. Some were deserting from the faith. Some were going and being tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And Paul, or, or Paul, I'm sorry, not Paul, John, as a pastor of those churches, thought, you know what? I am upset that my sheep are being led astray. I must declare unto them the fundamentals of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
So we're going to be unpacking some of those fundamentals in the weeks to come. And they're extremely important. So as a pastor, John had great concern for his people and for his church. But get this. That's the overall theme. There's many sub-themes that go into this. But one of the things that John was concerned about was that his people experienced joy in their Christian life. Okay? Listen, we should experience joy in our Christian walk with the Lord. Hello? Yes, we have some hard places to get through. Yes, we have a world it seems like we're going in the opposite direction of what they are going. Yes, it seems like there's multitudes on this highway of relativism and postmodernism. And it seems like we are the only ones. But Jesus predicted that. Yes, there are persecutions that come our way. But Jesus predicted that. But in the midst of all of that, there still should be some happiness. Hello? There still should be some joy. And what John is trying to get his believers at the churches where he was writing to to understand, in the midst of all that's taking place, there are some that are leaving the church. There are some that are upset because they're not getting their way. That even happened in John's day. There are some that are, that are leaving the doctrines of the Word of God and following after a false prophet or a false teacher or false doctrine because it makes them feel good. That was even taking place in John's day. It's called the Gnostics. John had to battle that. We'll discover more about that in the future. All of the things that we experience as a 21st century believer in Jesus Christ, they experienced it in the very first century. Are you with me? John recognized that. Listen, guys, there's nothing new under the sun. Hello? Ecclesiastes teaches us that. Nothing new. There's no new sin that's come up today. There's no new way that people behave or act that's come up today. Now, we learn about it a lot faster through social media, right? But listen, everything is pretty much the same. John dealt with that, and so what he wanted his people to experience was the joy And the happiness that comes as a result of understanding the truths of the Word of God and living that out in a loving way. John refutes the doctrines or the defectors from sound doctrine. Listen, I love this. John, what is his tolerance policy? Oh, we got to give and take. No, no. Get this. John had a zero tolerance policy. Policy when it came to the doctrines of the Word of God. Zero tolerance. Church ought to say amen right there. Right? Listen, guys, we cannot fall into the trap. Well, we just kind of accept that and accept this and accept that. And by the way, God is love, so we've got to love everybody. Yes, we love everybody, but we can't compromise the gospel to gain a crowd. Are you with me, church? That's what we're going to discover That's what we're going to discover in the epistle of John. In these five chapters, John is addressing that. Now, I told you there are some other subcategories and sub-themes. We're going to see that he addresses these false prophets in chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going to see that those who try to deceive the church, he addresses in chapter 2, verse 26, in chapter 3 and verse 7. We're going to see about those who have the spirit of Antichrist in chapter 2 and verse number 18. Matter of fact, John goes as far as calling them demonic of the devil. Hello? That may get you in trouble today, but he points it out. He identifies, he identifies that the ultimate source of all defection from the gospel, the truth of the gospel, 
is from Satan himself. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. There's several sub-themes as you go through here. There's a theme on happiness in chapter 1, verse 4. There's a theme on holiness in chapter 2 and verse 1. There's a theme on security of the believer in chapter 5, verse number 13. Some great themes in here. And we're going to discover those together. But here's where I want to get in this. These three factors, happiness, holiness, and security, by faithfulness to the basic doctrine of the Word of God, these three factors, listen, they, are, they reveal the key cycle of true spirituality. I think I may have this on the screen for you. Maybe I don't. I can't remember what I put on there, to be honest with you. First John, we see that there's sound faith, there's obedience, and there's love. And a proper, get this, a proper belief in Jesus produces obedience to His commands and obedience issues in love for God and fellow believers. So what John is saying in the writings here is if we have our doctrine correct, right? If we have our doctrine correct, then we're going to have a heart that wants to obey the commands of God. And in doing so, we're going to discover and learn how to love each other, love the Lord and love each other. And it all kind of works together. So we're going to discover that together. Matter of fact, when these three, the sound faith, the obedience, and the love, whenever they operate in concert one with another, you know what the result is? The result is happiness. The result is holiness. The result is assurance in our salvation. They constitute the evidence. Matter of fact, it's the litmus test, if you will, of a true believer and a true Christian. That's some of the themes. I've got to quickly get through this. Go to the next one. Why is 1 John so important? I think I've already unpacked that a little bit. But there are a lot of parallels in this passage of Scripture. In 1 John, there's a lot of different parallels that are very simple and to the point. Matter of fact, you're going to see where he parallels and he contrasts Christ versus the Antichrist. Light versus darkness. Truth versus falsehood. Righteousness versus sin. The love of the Father versus the love of the world. The Spirit of God versus the Spirit of Antichrist. So we're going to see that all through this passage of Scripture. Let me give you the next question. Number five, get this one. What's the big idea? The big idea. Well, what is the big idea in all of this? Well, as John did in the Gospel of John, he clearly states for us the purpose of this letter. It's clearly stated in 1 John 1, 3, chapter 2, verse 1, and 5, 13. Here we see what the big idea. He proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, right? We receive that, and of that he says in 1 John 1 and 3 this, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What is the purpose that we would have fellowship with God? Right? The purpose in writing this is that we could be in a right relationship with the Lord God Almighty. But not only in fellowship with God, but in fellowship with the church. In fellowship one with another. Later he added in chapter 2 and verse 1, so that you might not sin. Another reason for writing this letter is so that we can learn how to live a holy life. A life that glorifies God. Right? By the way, church, it matters how we live. It's important how we live. It's important how we carry ourselves in the world. We're to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His ambassadors. Right? We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. 
Right? So it does matter how we live. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it matters how you live so that you can get to heaven. No, you get into heaven is not based on how good of a person you can be. You get into heavens based on what Jesus did on the cross. You recognize that you're a sinner. You trust Him as your Savior. And the only way any of us have any hope whatsoever of getting to heaven is because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. Guys, I'm not getting to heaven because I'm a pastor. Right? No. None of us are getting to heaven because we're good. But because we trust in Christ, it's going to affect how we live our life. And it does matter how we live our life. John's going to address that so that we wouldn't sin. We have the doctrines of the Word of God so we won't sin. And then in verse five, or chapter 5, verse 13, one of my favorite verses, so that we may know we have eternal life. Listen, guys, there's not one reason that anyone under the sound of my voice should go home tonight, lay their head on their pillow, and bite their fingernails, and fall asleep, gnawing their fingers to the bone, worried to death. If they die in their sleep, they would go to heaven or hell. Listen, I don't lay my head on my pillow at night like that. I know, without a shadow of a doubt, if I die right now, if I, right now, I'm gone, I want you to celebrate. Because I know that I'm with the Lord. I have that security. You say, John, how do you have that security? Because of 1 John 5, 13, John said, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life. Not that you may think you have it, that you may know that you have it. And I know I have it because of what Christ has done for me. Well, last question, I'm done. How do we apply this? So what? That's the question I love to ask at the end. Matter of fact, after I listen to every preacher preach, even here in our church, I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for the last question. So what? You told me all this stuff. So what? Guys, we better answer the so what question, right? What difference does it make? Well, it makes a whole lot of difference, right? So we're going to try to answer how does this apply to our life. Listen, guys, we all go through ups and downs in our Christian walk, right? I mean, there are times when you've been on the mountaintop and there's times you've been on the valleys. There's times when you've struggled in your walk with the Lord and there's times when, man, you, you felt like you could charge hell with a water pistol and swing out over a spaghetti noodle and say, there he is. Let me, let me shoot the devil. I mean, you're that confident, right? Right? But then there's other times when you think, man, I, I've fallen. It may be circumstances around you. It may be situations you get involved in. It may be emotional struggles you're having. It may be spiritual battles you're facing. It may be on the inside and nobody even is aware of it. But we go through these ups and downs in our Christian life, right? Every one of us has, have experienced that struggle. And we often feel ourselves blown away by the winds of emotion or circumstances. But get this. In the midst of all of that, God still calls for us to live a consistent, holy, Christian life. Right? We still got to get up the next day, and we still got to live holy, and we still got to live righteous, not so we can get to heaven. Now, please understand me. I never preach that. But because I understand the doctrines of the Word of God, I want to honor Him. I want to glorify Him. I want to live for Him. And I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to do my best to live for the Lord in spite of all these circumstances. Now, here's what I wrote down. God calls us to lives of increasing consistency. Are you consistent in your faith? 
Are you consistent in your walk with the Lord? He calls us to this life of increasing consistency. Get this. With evidence of this inner transformation that's taking place. And that inner transformation that God is doing in my life is becoming more and more evident as the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by. The point is this. I look at where I was when I was an 18, 19 year old boy, 20 and 21, and I can tell you I am not the man I used to be. Right? I have grown in my walk with the Lord. Listen, you've got to understand, I had, I had no desire whatsoever in my life to be a preacher or a pastor. That was nowhere on the radar for me. I was a UPS truck driver, and God called me. And I pulled that UPS truck over in a hayfield back in North Carolina, and I made me an altar out of some boxes, and I surrendered, and I said, God, whatever your will is, I'm willing to do it. And over a period of time, I wound up quitting that and going to college and surrendering to the ministry. But that was nowhere on my radar screen. I remember going to church, and I was a Sunday morning glory. What is a morning glory? Well, back home we had these flowers called morning glories. I don't know if you, I don't know if you even have them around here. Do you have them around here? You know, when do they bloom? In the morning, right? In the afternoon when the sun's hot, they just wither up and go away. And you think the thing's dead, right? The next morning when it's kind of cool, boom, there they are. That's what I was spiritually. I showed up on Sunday morning. Thought I was doing God a favor for me being there. Are you with me, church? That's where I was. Matter of fact, my pastor at the time, Pastor Leonard Lindsay at Calvary Church in Valdez, North Carolina, he used to look back and he would just call people to pray. That terrified me. Matter of fact, there were some times I didn't even want to go to church because I thought he was going to call on me to pray. He'd be like, Jamie, come up here and pray for us. I'm just kidding. I mean, that's, that's terrifying, right? For some, it was for me. Are you with me? I remember I was sitting back there about where Eldon is, maybe in. I, I never sat on the end. Eldon, you're standing right here. I can see everybody on the end. Those in the middle, I lose sometime. The middle's going to be packed next Sunday morning, I know, already, right? But I would hide back there, and I would slide in there, and in front of me sat Debbie's aunt, Aunt Marilyn, which, by the way, was the pastor's sister. And so she sat in front of me, and as soon as I got to church, I had my game plan on, okay? As soon as I sat down, I tapped Marilyn. I said, now, Marilyn, remember, I don't pray, okay? I don't pray in public, and if pastor calls on me to pray, you pray for me, okay? She said, I got you covered, John. It's going to be okay. I'll, I'll pray for you. If he calls, I'll just stand up and pray. Good, okay? Got that taken care of, right? And really, that's where I was. I remember one time I was sitting back there, maybe like some of you have been, maybe today, maybe not, but I wasn't really paying attention. You ever, you ever done that? Listen to the preacher? I know you haven't. Don't, don't admit it right now, right? But I was sitting back there, and I really wasn't paying that much attention. And he said, John, <laughs> my heart sunk. I just knew that either, one, he was calling me down for not paying attention, or two, he was calling on me to pray. And I said, Debbie Marilyn. And Debbie said, honey, it's okay. He just said, turn to the gospel of John. <laughs> all, I heard was, <laughs> all I heard was John, okay? 
I'm trying to tell you this. That from that point in my life, I was maybe right here spiritually speaking. And through just being consistent and just living for God, ups and downs, highs and lows, circumstances, hurts, battles, spiritual, emotional, I mean, just on and on, but just being consistent. Now, in my mind, spiritually, I feel like I haven't moved that far. I feel like I'm maybe just right here. And I've got so much more to go. But what John is wanting us to do is to take the Scripture, the truth of the Word of God, apply it to our life, let there be an inward transformation that takes place to where the Lord is conforming us into the image of His Son, allowing ourselves to remain pliable where He can mold us. And sometimes we're that clay on the potter's wheel and He digs His thumb in. Those are those, are those hard places in life. You've been there? Don't quit. Just keep being consistent because God is doing a work in you. So my last question to wrap up the so what part is this. How would you characterize your relationship with the Lord? The band can go ahead and come and get ready to play here. How would you characterize your relationship with the Lord? Now I want you to think about this and don't get distracted by them coming. I want you to think about this. Because this to me is what's very, very important in all of this. Do we characterize ourselves as someone who is consistent and fruitful for the Lord? Yes, we've had our ups and downs. Yes, we've had our hard places to get through. But in doing all of that, are we remaining consistent and fruitful? Or is our Christian life sporadic, parched, bearing no fruit? Where are you? You're one of those two. So I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me ask you. How would you characterize your relationship with the Lord? Now we're going to do our invitation like this today. And I just want you to just just remain sitting. Stay where you are. We're not even going to sing a song. I've just asked Tyler to pray or to play while I pray and and work with you. I want you right now to just focus on you personally and your relationship with the Lord. And I want you to answer this question. How would you characterize your walk with God today? Consistent and fruitful? And allowing that inner transformation to continue to take place in your life? living for the Lord, filled with His joy and His happiness and His love in the midst of the battles and the circumstances and the low places in life? Or are you maybe like I was, that sporadic, parched, morning glory, just kind of going through the motions, no real inward change taking place? I want to encourage you today as we're going to discover in this epistle get a basic knowledge of the fundamentals of the faith trust in Jesus Christ and cultivate that relationship grow in your faith let me pray with you right now this is going to be our invitation so I want you to just pray with me right now Father we come to this time of our service and 
We thank you for this great letter that John wrote. And we're going to unpack it more and more and more as the weeks come. But right now we've discovered that John is going to be teaching us and reminding us of some of the basic doctrines of the Word of God. He's going to be exposing false teachers. He's going to be talking about Christian ethics and how we live our life as a believer in Christ. Lord, I just pray right now for everyone that's here. If there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, that's the starting place. That's where they get on this journey. That's where they begin. Father, if there's one here today, I want to help pray with them. And possibly that's one of you guys this morning. If so, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, let me help you today. Just pray something like this. Say, Dear God, I realize that I'm a sinner. And I believe you are the Son of God. And I don't have all the answers. And I don't know everything there is to know in your Word. But right now, God, I give you my life. And I repent of my sins. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and paid my sin debt. I believe you were buried and you rose again the third day. And I believe you are the sinless Son of God. Right now, I want to trust you as my Savior. I invite you into my life. I repent of my sins and plead and beg for your forgiveness. Save me, oh God, I pray. If you're here today and you prayed a prayer like that, I've got good news for you. You are now a born-again believer because that's really all it is. Repentance on your part, trusting in what Jesus did, and asking and begging for His forgiveness. Father, for that one that prayed that prayer today, I just pray, God, you give them assurance of their salvation. May your peace flood their spirit and flood their soul. May they turn over and have a new beginning today in a new relationship with you. Father, I pray now for that one that's already accepted Christ, but we look at where we are in our relationship with you and it's sporadic, it's parts, it's not where it needs to be. And I'm thankful that 1 John 1, 9, and we're going to get to that, is in this letter. It says, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you restore us into a right relationship with you. Lord, we just pray that you help us to get off of the train of being sporadic and parched, to being consistent and fruitful as a believer. Forgive us for where we fail you. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for every prayer that was prayed, for everyone that did business with you today, we just pray that you would speak to each of their hearts and give them assurance of whatever prayer they pray today. We thank you, Lord, for our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. 
You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.